What's good, everybody? This is Free the Vision, and you're listening to the Silence to Shame podcast. This is episode 36, and we have a very special episode for you today called Swerving Through Stress with clinical psychologist Dr. Reese Shanti Daz and hip-hop recording artist and mental health advocate G. Herbo. This episode is very, very special for us. It is one that we conducted during this pandemic, and um, we would love to hear from you guys to know what you think. So be sure to leave us a comment, as well as rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and all of the podcasts that we have as well. Um, we're very appreciative of all of you. Follow us on all social media at Silence the Shame on Instagram, Silence TH Shame on Twitter and Facebook. And as always, take time, save a life, and silence the shame. And I think it's time that we start the conversation to silence the shame. Silence the shame. Si- silence the shame. Silence is the difference between treatment or pain, life or death. Silence the shame. Speak up now and silence. 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 Silence the shame. What's up, everybody? My name is Shanti Das. I am the founder and executive director of Silence the Shame Incorporated. We are a mental health organization and, and really a movement worldwide. Um, as we continue to erase stigma and empower people around getting support for their own mental health and wellness. And I am super excited to be moderating this talk tonight for a young man that I am am fond of his music and more importantly, um, just his work as an advocate in the community and everything he's been doing for Chicago, um, for the culture of hip hop and, and just around mental health and wellness. So welcome to Swerving Through Stress, Tools to Help Black Youth Navigate Their Own Mental Wellness. Let's welcome everybody. G Herbo, what up? up? Shanti Daz, thanks for having me, man. Yes, sir. Um, How you I doing, mean, man? I'm good. I feel real good right now. I've just been working in the studio and, you know, at home and trying to take the, these times that we're going through more serious, you know. That's right. No doubt. Well, it's an honor. Um, I'm grateful that you and the gathering spot allowed me to, to host this forum for you guys tonight. But we're going to share some great information that hopefully will not only empower and inspire your fans, but, you know, in, impact the world in a positive way. So thank you again for everything you're doing. Yeah, no, thank you. Next up, I want to introduce uh, my good friend, colleague. And now I think I can just say my homeboy. All right. Dr. Leroy Reese, who also is from the Shy. Welcome, Dr. Reese. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's good to be with you. Um, wish I was in the Shy right now. Um, <laughs> but because y'all got some, some 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 struggles up there. Uh stay safe, Herbal. Um, so it's a pleasure to be with y'all this evening. Yes, absolutely. And so uh you guys know, or you may not know, July is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, but now the name has kind of changed. Uh, Mental Health America and other advocates in the space has really moved in a direction of calling it BIPOC, which is Black, Indigenous, People of Color Mental Health Awareness Month, just so we can kind of be more inclusive of different communities. So this is a great time that we're having this conversation. So we're going to get right into it. Um, According to MIMH, post-traumatic stress disorder better known as PTSD, is a disorder that develops in some people who have experienced a shocking, scary, or dangerous event. It is natural to feel afraid during and after a traumatic situation. Fear triggers many split-second changes in the body to help defend against danger or to avoid it. This kind of fight-or-flight response is a typical reaction meant to protect a person from harm, 
Nearly everyone will experience a range of reactions after trauma, yet most people recover from initial symptoms naturally. Those who continue to experience the problems may be diagnosed with PTSD. People who have PTSD may feel stressed or frightened even when they're not in danger. So Dr. Reese, can you talk about how PTSD has historically affected the black community? And even a lot of people have put the C in front of it, C PTSD, which is chronic and continuous PTSD, right? Living as a black person in America. Right. So I actually think that's a more accurate way um, to be thinking about it, particularly in some communities. You know, what's real is, so everything you said about PTSD is true. Most people do experience a range of emotions if, 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 if they experience it. And, and frankly, would help uh, a number of people will recover and go on and live meaningful lives. The, the challenge for many of our folk is that those of us who are chronically exposed to trauma, and so if we're talking about um, in urban communities, I think about the South side of Chicago, I think about the West side of Chicago, where there are chronic exposures to, to, to violence, um, both at the community level, but also at an institutional level, you know, and then more broadly, as we think about this thing nationally, you know, I have real concerns about, on the one hand, a pandemic that's disproportionately impacting us that we're sitting around as, as not sitting around, but, you know, we're watching black folks be disproportionately impacted by the uh, pandemic in terms of dying and seeing uh, slow institutional responses to providing us with some assistance and some relief. But then also the, to what I refer to as state-sponsored violence um, against black folks. And we, we, we turn on CNN or MSNBC and we see these public assassinations of black men and black women. Um, and, 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 and so we watch it. And a lot of times part of what happens is that we're not aware of how that is impacting our psychological or psychiatric well-being. And, and, and so you start to come to think of, of these events as normal. You're not aware of how they affect how, how you relate to yourself, how you relate to other people, how you take care of your kids, how you show up in terms of your ability to be emotionally present. And so sometimes, you know, we talk about looking in somebody's dead eyes. It's because they've seen so much, you know, that you just go numb to some of these things. And so um, I'm glad that we're talking about it. We need to talk about it more. We need to uh, destigmatize um, asking for help because there's too many brothers and sisters out here who are suffering unnecessarily. And so we need to be talking about the help seeking is OK um, and that there is relief out there for us. Thank you for that, Dr. Reese. Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, why did you decide to name your uh, latest album that came out right before COVID, uh, PTSD? Um, I decided to name our project PTSD because I'm a, I'm a, a, a direct product um, of my environment. And where I come from, it's like, like, uh, like Dr. Reese was saying, just saying, you when you when you experience trauma at, at such a chronic state, such a you know uh, a rapid, such a a common pace where everyone is experiencing this trauma, um, you 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 actually become like desensitized and ignore the problem. And I was once one of those people who thought I was normal. I thought it was normal to to experience. Um, seeing one of your friends be killed or to experience someone die or um, for me to be shot or for me to see my first murder at nine years old um, and just go outside and function like it's normal and go out, go to school the next day and 
expect me to, you know, um, to to learn at a high level, you know. So I I I didn't excuse me, I didn't um I didn't myself know anything about mental health or PTSD or anything like that. I was arrested um, back in February of 2018 where I was locked up for a firearm. And I started, you know, I, I don't believe in uh, anything happening by coincidence. I'm a cause and effect kind of guy. So with me being who I am and having my platform and all the influence and being someone that has statue and having this money and, and this celebrity status, uh, I know what I have to lose. So I started to really, it's not a matter of me having a weapon on me or having guns around me. It's it's a matter of why every day of my life for the past seven years straight. And I had a gun on me every day because I was afraid that I could you know that I could be killed, that I could die because I've seen it happen so many times. I've experienced it I'm a victim of gun violence or common places, places where I don't know people and I'm paranoid. I'm looking over my shoulder regular cars, these are just normal cars pulling up and I'm afraid for my life. Um, and I didn't understand, I'm just thinking that's just because I am coming from the east side of Chicago and everyone feels this way that I'm suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, so it was just a way for me to tap into myself and being vulnerable, learning myself and, and helping, you know, my helping me overcome my adversity and the things that I've been through in my life and also helping somebody else by speaking up and, and letting people know that what you're going through is isn't uncommon it's not for a coincidence it is you know um a greater destiny out there for you a greater um a greater outcome in life in general if you go and you know work towards getting you know what I'm saying and, and I don't think that having PTSD or suffer from these traumatic events, I don't think it ever goes away. I think you just learn how to manage it. Yeah, no doubt. So I, I first want to say, Herbo, like, man, thank you for your, like, vulnerability vulnerability, and your transparency. Um, you know, I really appreciate your voice. You know, this is the second or third time you and I have spoken, and I just, I'm so empowered every time I talk to you. And I want to flip it back to Dr. Reese, who is a product, right, of the South Side of Chicago as well. And talk about what what Herbal just talked about, Dr. Reese. And, and there's nothing normal, right, or should be normal about a child having to experience, you know, all that Herbal and and some of his probably peers and relatives and and friends and and stuff that you've seen, Dr. Reese growing up. And talk about how. You know, the youth, when they experience violence in the communities, you know, whether it's from racial injustice or, you know, crimes within the community, you know, how does that affect your mental wellness? So, I mean, the, the, the simple answer is that it, it compromises it, it jacks it up. <laughs> the, the more challenging response is that uh, for my man Herbal, in terms of his, his explanation, well, when you start to think that's normal, it becomes normal. And, and, exactly. and so you then don't know how to, uh, or don't know to say, hey, is there another way of existing, another way of being mm -hmm. than, than what I have known for these, in his case, nine years or uh, 20 years or, or, or et cetera. And, and the more you experience these kinds of things, the more it gets kind of entrenched in your mind. And so then violence is normal. 
right? You become Absolutely. numb to it. You, you, you see your first uh, uh, murder, or, well, it's just your first one, and you come to expect that you're going to see uh, more. You see people get jumped. Um, hey, it's just uh, normal. We, we did this program at uh, Terrell Elementary School that's just adjacent to the Robert Taylor Homes. I'm not sure if it's still there. But I remember having this conversation with these teachers, and they were like, you know, these kids are little hellions. You know, what's wrong with them? And, and I said, so when you live in hell and you deal with hell every day, you, it's actually you folks who have the unreasonable expectation yeah. that they're going to leave this environment, they're going to come in this building, and the realities of their life for the, the, the 18 hours they're not in this building, they're going to set all that aside, and they're going to act like these well-adjusted uh, young people versus understanding that when you're symptomatic, it can't help but spill over everywhere you go. So when you see disruptive behavior, you see aggressive behavior in, in, in some of these young folks, it's, it's, it's a direct result of what they've been exposed to. Our kids are not violent. They don't come into the world violent. They don't come into the world desensitized to love mm -hmm. and expressions of, of gratitude, et cetera. They learn those kinds of things. And often they learn those things based upon what they've been exposed to. Um, but you know, it's too, I, I wanna be careful here because it's, it's too easy to make this about the South side of Chicago or the West side of Chicago or this neighborhood in New York or this neighborhood in LA, et cetera. Um, because we live in a society that actively supports those bubbles. Speak on it, here we go. Uh, yeah. So we can go to the near North side of Chicago you know, the Belmont Fullerton area, um, Rogers Park, things look radically different. So so why is that? Well, the, the why is the communities are different. The policing practices are different. The quality of, of housing is different. The quality of healthcare is different. There is a premium placed on those communities relative to their quality of life. And, and so part of what we have to understand is that the bubble that we exist in um, oftentimes in the black community has been one that has intentionally been supported. People have been talking about systematic racism. The brother is, is talking about the impact manifestations of, of systematic racism because systematic racism um, on some level implies that I don't care about anything, anybody that does not look white, blonde, blue-eyed, etc. And, and And so for young brothers and sisters, um, they, they have these experiences. They see these messages in the media. You know, you, you turn on the news or any of the Chicago news stations, the lead story is about who got shot, um, who got murdered, who got arrested. Um, it's not about what we're doing to correct, to uplift, to promote well-being in these communities. And so my point is, is that there is a uh, interrelated relationship between what happens uh, to young brothers like, like Herbal uh, and, and, and the people that he grew up with um, and what others who are watching, who are spectators to what's happening in those communities allow to happen and in fact support what happens. So um, how does it affect us? It puts us on a trajectory towards poor mental health, right? And this is where we also start to see the intersection of our physical health um, and, and, and our mental health. So it's not a surprise that black men disproportionately die by cardiovascular disease or we tend to experience hypertension at higher rates, like how could you not be stressed out? Yeah, and you know, when you see in our communities, right? Whether it is a Chicago or an Atlanta 
or in LA or Houston or whatever, like all the health disparities and everything that you're talking about. So you see like our grandmas are stressed out or they got, you know, high sugar, as they used to say in my community or high blood pressure and all of that to your point, Dr. Reese equates back to like, why we can't get the treatment that we need, whether it's mental health or physical health, right? And they both directly affect one another. Right, which is why it's important that he is using this platform. Yep. You know, like, so he's going to touch many more people who ever come into my office, right? And, and, and so if through that platform, we can normalize talking about well-being, talking about vulnerability, resolving trauma, um, being intentional yeah. about how we articulate different ways to exist, to relate. Um, I mean, you know, you get us moving in a, in, in, in a direction of our best interest. Folks need to watch out. That's right. So, yeah. That's right. And, yeah. and so, like, and what was about, the turning about, point for uh, you? Uh, the turning point for me, I believe, was going to jail. And I'm, I'm going to speak on that a little more because it goes back to what Dr. Reese was saying with, um, you know, the way society um influences certain things and coming from you know my side of town and the way society is different in you know on the the north side of chicago and i i believe that's because you know um a lot of my friends and even myself we started to like carry guns and stuff at an early age 14 15 years old and it was because not not uh, necessarily that we want to go outside and kill someone we're afraid that someone may try to kill us and say for instance i'm just going to give you an example uh a lot of my friends have have been to jail and for firearms me myself but i actually didn't go to 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 jail for a firearm until i was g herbo quote unquote i was a star i was a celebrity but had i been to jail when i was 16 17 years old for these crimes where um, we aren't really like, like Dr. Reese was just saying, trying to heal or move more towards solution. They just throw us in jail, treat us like animals, put us in an even more ruthless environment where we're fighting, fending for ourselves, potentially even have to, you know, kill in jail because of the ruthless environment that we put in um, our living, our living um, conditions. Um, the, the health conditions, all of these things play a part in our mental stability. So we get outside and what we're supposed to be re rehabilitating for a year or however long, but actually you've, you've even been in survival mode more to a, to a higher extent than you probably were out in the real world. So now when you get out in the real world, you have the, the survivor's instinct that you had before going in and what you picked up even in an even more ruthless environment. So it never really, we never actually learn from these mistakes. We just learn how to actually become more comfortable in these conditions and how to kind of continue the cycle for longer, longer. So I, I just try to use my platform to acknowledge the fact that we aren't feeling these way this way for a reason. We aren't going through these things for a reason, and things aren't not changing for a reason. Things are remaining the same because we aren't doing anything to directly affect the problem. We're not really putting our resources back into the community. We're not speaking on the trauma and the events and the things that we go through because it plays a part in 
the way we behave on a day to day, the way we function. People who go to jail are more likely to go to jail because they, when you go to jail, when the conditions that they put you in, it makes you comfortable where you actually get immune to the stuff that you're up against. So you're not afraid to go and be in these environments again. And then you get out. It's like you're 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 a black sheep when it's supposed to be a re rehabilitation process for you to get out and actually get your life together. There are yeah. absolutely no resources, no no opportunities for you to want to change, even if you want to. So we're all human. We all full of emotion. We go right back to that, to what we know. And I think it's about just having people like myself, you know, like you, like Dr. Reese, who just and, and many other, you know, artists with, you know, my my kind of platform who speak up about the stuff and the trauma that we all been through because we all experienced it, no matter who you are and what um, level of life you you've reached, you know, what um, level of success you reached. We all experienced trauma and it affected us and speaking about it can, you know, not only help you get through it, but it can help someone else who actually may have be, been going through the same thing as you or, you know what I'm saying, who knows someone or just didn't even think that people like us experience trauma. You know what I'm saying? So it's always important to speak about those things. And that's why I do it. 100%, 100%. And again, we applaud you for using your platform. And, you know, I had a conversation a couple months ago with Common, who's also from Chicago. And he was saying last year he did a tour of some of the prisons. And the one common thread and theme after he left out of each one was like, man, they're not doing anything to rehabilitate a lot of the men and women around emotional health and wellness. That's why a lot of people, you know, end up coming out, you know, still struggling um, from a mindset of not really being able to get help. Um, Dr. Reese, what, what would you say to that? What do you think the, the, the toughest thing that's facing our young black men and women um, when they are incarcerated and they're not really getting the emotional help that they need to even get back and then try to get back once they get out to find some sense of normalcy. And to Herbo's point, they go back to what they know because nobody's really poured into them emotionally. And they, it's almost like they're trapped with the trauma. So, you know, one of the things is um, we have to create continuums of care. So, a lot of folks who penetrate these uh, systems, it's hard to call it criminal justice because uh, uh, just justice is, is in short supply in many instances. Uh, but if, if we had a continuum of care on the front end that provided the behavioral health, mental health resources and guidance support that many of these young folks need, they wouldn't penetrate these systems to begin with. And, and, and so as I'm talking about the young people, I also want to talk about their families because one of the things that happens is that some of this is generational. And so we talk about the effects of trauma. Well, trauma can be transmitted because it becomes normal to me that then when I'm raising my babies, I, I, I socialize them, parent them in a way yeah, that said, yeah, yeah a lot these of are these. And I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I actually You're want good, to man. pick up exactly where you left off, but I just want to speak and say, 80% of my friends who come from, you know, these neighborhoods and who experienced trauma, it, it transferred over from their fathers, from their uncles, from mm -hmm. their grandfathers who, who were, you know, fruit of the same poisonous tree. And, you know, you can continue from there, but it's, it's all, it's a lot of it. I believe over 50% of it is generation. So, I mean, to, to, to your point, 
the 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 poisonous tree that you reference, I think, is a real thing. And you know, when we have poison limbs, we cut them hmm. so the healthy ones can can grow there. And I, I think when we talk about this continuum of care piece, that when we say, hey, you know what, it's actually okay to talk about this. And when you can talk about it and begin to examine, you, you realize, oh, the fact that I don't sleep at night, the fact that I have nightmares, um, the fact that, that I get have anxiety uh, going to school or I got to walk five blocks out the way to get to my school when I could have walked just down the street, but I can't walk down the street because uh, uh, who may be managing that particular space that's set. Uh, that those kinds of things, when you understand that they're not normal, that continuum of care can help you understand that. So, and sometimes the continuum of care is not sitting and talking to a person like me. Sometimes that's the person you talk to at your school. Sometimes that's the person, that's your, your, your basketball coach, your football coach, your cheerleading coach, et cetera. People who can intervene with you to kind of help you think about, help your families think about, it doesn't have to be like this. In fact, it's not supposed, we were not ordained. We were not destined to, to, to live this life, to, to have these experiences. Um, in fact, this is the result of some, some other agenda, um, but we can return to the agenda around our original purposes, um, what we were intended to, 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 how we were intended to live. So that's on the front end, but you know what? Some young folks are going to penetrate these systems. So in these systems, we can provide behavioral health care, but behavioral health care can't be, let me write these scripts for this medication so that I keep you doped up and you don't cause problems uh, while are you in, in, in population. Instead, let's say, hey, let me understand what's going on. Because one of the things that's important is that when we think about who's incarcerated, there are three groups. There's the group that's there because they, they are true criminals and they are a true threat to the safety of our communities. That's the smallest group. The other group that's there are folks who have behavioral mental health issues that never got addressed, who, who ran afoul of the law. They did the right thing at the right time, got popped and got pushed through the system and got pushed through the system to jail instead of um, uh, intervention and, and treatment. And then there's that group that um, who suffer from substance abuse. And so when you understand that the minority of people who are in jail are actually people who display what we call criminogenic kind of behaviors and that the majority of people in jail are people who have substance abuse and or mental health issues, you're like, well, people can't get people who have um, uh, mental health needs can't get better uh, in jail. You can't help people with addiction in jail. We, we, we provide other kind of treatments to them. So the criminal justice system can do something different in that space. And then the final piece around this continuum of care thing would be when they get um, discharged, when they get released, is finding something, somebody, somebody's to hold them. Hey, I got you, Herbal. So what we're about to do is we're about to figure out um, what path you want to get on. We're about to figure out how you went left when you should have went right. Um, and I'm, I'm going to hold you uh, until you get to uh, get on track. I'm going I'm to work with your family and, 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 and help them know how to better support you, um, how to hold you accountable, how to hold them accountable um, so that you can move this way instead of that way. And when we get those kind of pieces and we have a tradition there, in, in Chicago, there's a uh, the Community Mental Health Council is at 87th and Constance. And there was an old head, an old Baba who died last year, Carl Bell. Um, he's, he's a radical black psychiatrist. And, and by radical, I, I think he he believed in the liberation and well-being of black folks. And so uh, 
CMCH um, was an agency uh, that pushed that agenda. There was another agency in Chicago, uh, I'm not sure if it's still there, um, Bobby Wright, that did the same things. But these were people who said, we, we can do this. We have everything we need. We just need to engage. We need to listen to our young people. We need to listen to these families. And they need to listen to us. And by working together, we can work these things out. Thank you, Dr. Reeson. So again, we're talking about tools to help Black youth navigate mental wellness. And I, I want to talk to you, Herbo, about your new initiative um, so that we can figure out how to yeah. help young men and women. Yeah, the initiative, the project is called... Um, it's the, my new initiative is, is swerving through stress um, where I'm actually going to pay for 150 kids uh, from these troubled neighborhoods, you know, from neighborhoods like I grew up in all around the city. And hopefully we able to, you know, expand and do things across the nation um, where I'm paying for free therapy for 150 mm -hmm. kids. And it goes it goes right on, you know, directly with what you were just saying, Dr. Reese, how can um, I actually get to the root of the problem? Well, you know, we're not talking to a lot of these kids. When we go to school the next day, I never um, was able to talk to one of my teachers about one of my friends that passed away literally the day before I went to school the very next day. Or, you know, I'm, I'm sure none of my friends who, who mothers, you know what I'm saying, were on drugs. And, and I don't think a lot of these teachers understood that when I go to school or when not saying me, but just a lot of these kids, when you go to school, your only um, sense of, of feeling safe and having a warm meal and just any type of sense of care or any, and, and not even care from a, directly, I'm here to care for you, but just people who are there to oversee and make sure things go correctly, structure this, having structure that's the only time that a lot of these kids experience this and it's hard for them to adjust like you said earlier like if i'm if i'm in this environment 18 hours of my day how do you expect me to 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 live up to your standards for six um and i think that's that's uh directly because we don't have that we don't have you know what i'm saying people who are there to actually help these kids reach their potential you know what i'm saying because i had aspirations early before i got shot I, I probably and i don't believe in coincidence like i said but had i not been a product of my environment had i not you know what i'm saying had to be in a lot of these circumstances i probably would have went to college i would have went to a d1 school and tried to play basketball and you know what i'm saying I, I actually didn't fall in love with music or rap until i started to experience trauma you know mm -hmm. and, and that's crazy. A lot of people like myself, where I'm from, we take the trauma. We have to actually experience trauma before we get to reach our potential in other ways when it shouldn't have to be that way. You know, it should just be you should have the the resources, the people around to actually dig into your life and dig into your, you know, your mental state, your stability and even your living situations to say, hey, what's going on here? Oh, and with me being a person that has statue on my platform, I can help a lot of these kids financially if I need to, you know what I'm saying? Where they can not focus on a lot of the things that are going on that they shouldn't have to focus on at such a young age. And I don't think we realize how many kids go through this and how many lives that you can't actually save by just 
being a, it doesn't have to be nothing where you have to spend money or crazy stuff like that. It's just, mm -hmm. it's about helping these kids tap into their, it's their admirations in life. Cause a lot of these, we, they have talents early on, you know what I'm saying? And it's, you, you can't really expect someone to, to tap into those things when you're experiencing so much seven days a week, man. And that's important. And I think if I had that and a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I know and a lot of my family members, it would have helped us early on and we probably would have, you know, reached heights that we could never imagine. And, and I love the, like, you talked about when things are coming at you from different directions, like, you know, say if you, you go to school, things are great, but even, you know, Dr. Reese, you kind of alluded to this. When you go back home, right, or when you hit that block, it's all this chaos and mm. everything coming at you. And, and kids not have to deal with all of that. Yeah. You know, one of the things I like to offer is I uh, think about what Herbo just said is uh, he found, so there's a lot of different kind of therapies that can help. There's the kind of therapy that somebody like me provides, etc. But my man was talking about that he found a way to talk about his trauma through his music. Mm -hmm. That's a form of therapy. And, and, and so now where we have to intervene and, and expand the dialogue is because you hear a lot of folks who talk about the traumas that they've been through, the things that have happened to them, the things that have happened on their block, et cetera, et cetera. But when we add to that piece, the part two, the conjunction, and then, so Herbo's got this backstory of trauma. And then he did A, B, C, D, and E as he worked through his trauma and the ways in which that shows up in his music. And so we're not just hearing about, talking about, listening to um, the story of trauma, but we're also listening to and talking about the story of rejuvenation, of rehabilitation, of, of finding purpose, et cetera. Because that's what I, as I listen to the brother talk, that's part of what I'm hearing. He's not only talking about what happened um, then, he's talking about what's happening now. And I think that that's one of the ways that we have to engage. You don't always have to sit on somebody's couch. Um, Sometimes this this is just the kind of conversation. This is how you chop it up um, and, and, and the lyrics that you put together, if you can spit about how you put that out there and these other kind of pieces. And I, and I think we need to have a, a menu that has all those kinds of things on it to help people work through um, these kinds of issues. Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, yeah, like I think it just um, I think it just go back to, you know, kind of acknowledging it acknowledging the problem, acknowledging that you're going through these things. Cause like I said, I, I thought it was normal. I didn't know like I was suffering from nothing mentally, but I knew that my living situation and the conditions, the stuff I was up up against, I knew that that was, you know what I'm saying? A, a, a messed up situation. So that's how I use my music is like an outlet to speak about it. You know what I'm saying? I, I It was therapy. Like he said, it was therapy for me. So I think, it don't have to like you and i agree with that it don't have to necessarily go to an actual therapist sit on somebody's couch that's not actually for everybody but you i think you gotta acknowledge the fact that you're experiencing trauma and find an outlet to kind of release it because that's what music was for me i wouldn't be able to actually like have nothing i wouldn't have had anything to really rap about or nothing that inspired me to make music unless it was me getting that pain that anger and you know what i'm saying that frustration out of me so it's really just kind of realizing that you're going through something and trying to find something to help you escape from that 
No doubt, 100%. But I, I do also, though, want to just say, like, Herbo, can you also, though, like, for the young people that are listening or that will maybe see this video later on, I want them to know, though, that therapy is okay, right? If you do get an opportunity to be a good therapist, and that is not just for white people, and that, you know, if you find the right person, it actually can help you. And what I'm finding is that a lot of the people in your generation and even younger, Black people are more aware of what's going on um, around their mental health, or they're learning more, they're open to learning. So can you just talk about how like you realize like therapy is actually a good thing for you when you did? Yeah, um, I think it was probably, I was always able to like, I think that's what helped me like survive in the streets and like survive a lot of the, you know, the obstacles and overcome a lot of stuff I had to overcome to get where I am right now because I always felt like I was strong enough to take on the pressure, the adversity, and you know what I'm saying, all the pain and kind of numb myself. And even when I, it was self-medicating, I used to be addicted to drugs. I used to self-medicate to help me, you know what I'm saying, get through a lot of this stuff. And now I've found other ways, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just saying that to say I always like tried to use things to be kind of therapeutic for me. So going to therapy, I didn't actually like think that it was something that was going to help me, but I think it did and it helped me and I think it's good for people to try it in some way and it's just finding a person or somebody yep. that can help you expand your mind enough to learn yourself because that's all therapy going to do, really help you learn more about yourself and when I spoke, spoke first spoke to my therapist she had, she's in her 30s you know what I'm saying, she's a, a, a Caucasian woman and uh, and so that goes to say she's never really experienced life or trauma to, on the same level or experienced some of the same things I have. And that's kind of good because you're getting an opinion, an unbiased opinion from somebody who is not really judgmental or not really going to tell you what they would do in these situations because, for one, they haven't been in them and they're telling you what you should do for yourself and kind of like, you know what I'm saying, analyzing your your situation or your story from a seat of really looking at all the key components and trying to see how did you get there or, you know what I'm saying, what you need to do to kind of get out of it. And that was good for me because that let me know that I'm not feeling this way for, you know what I'm saying, no reason because, you know what I'm saying, um, it's the reason why I want to go outside and carry a gun. It's a reason why I feel like somebody trying to kill me everywhere I go. And she understood it because she's never had anyone literally trying to kill her in what or been in all these traumatic events. You know what I'm saying? Like you said earlier, like Dr. Reese said, when you just experience that trauma on a on a chronic level, it's like every day, three sixty five, seven days a week, you worrying about, you know what I'm saying, if if you're going to be killed or, you know what I'm saying, if you may have to kill somebody or you're going to go to jail and go do 100 years behind, you know what I'm saying, just trying to protect your mental state and your actual life, you know what I'm saying, and who, are, who, are, who is somebody else to actually judge me or judge my situation, and they haven't been in those in those situations because if you black, white, uh, Hispanic, you know what I'm saying, Asian, no matter where you come from, I believe if you get put in, you know what I'm saying, that lion's den, that line of fire, you're going to do whatever the next, you know what I'm saying, proper precaution is to protect yourself. And that's what we need to first understand about each other. 
or just understand about, you know what I'm saying, those poverty-struck neighborhoods and the people who come from. No doubt. Dr. Reese, you want to add anything to that? No, I, you know, the thing, so therapy is a lifelong thing, you know, and, and all of us have uh, various kinds of therapies uh, that we employ in our life. So, you know, when I was a teenager, I spent time uh, working uh, with a psychologist to kind of help me kind of uh, course correct on some things who also helped my mom try to uh, better understand what was going on with me as a grown man, as a father and a husband, you know, I, I, I still do some of that. So I, I have a black men support group uh, that I go to as a participant, not as the facilitator, because I need a safe space as a black man to kind of unpack the things that are happening in my life. But then I got other therapies, I got the gym, I got I got working in my yard. I got the time that right, I spend right. with my girls. I got so I got my own little village. I got my crew of people um, who lift me up, hold me accountable, support me. Um, the brothers in my life. Um, so I think you know the ingredients that work for any given individual can be similar and in some ways different. It matters most that we find what works for us, and 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 part of it is uh, when what we're doing isn't working. Let's try something else. And if we can't figure it out on our own, let's ask somebody who we think might be able to help us. I mean, one of the things I tell people when they come see me is I said, the question you should be asking yourself over this, these first couple of appointments is, do you think that the help that you need, you can get from me? And if you can, we can get down. But if you can't, because I think Herbo was refer referring to this, everybody, you know, every doctor is not for everybody. And so you need to connect with somebody who who's a fit for you, who can feel you, hold you, listen to you, hold you accountable, challenge you, these other kind of things um, so that you can move the needle in the direction that you want to. Because um, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Right. It's not. There's going to be some some challenge, some conflict. And sometimes you're going to feel like putting down the mic and like, you know what, I'm not with this. We got to stay with it. You know, um, our rainbow is waiting for us. No doubt. And and I mean, you know, again, I just I just want to like celebrate you, Herbal, on all that you're doing, right, to really help our young black adults, our youth around mental health, just continuing to open up this conversation. Um, do you have any final words like around like if a young person was listening to you right now, how would you what would you even say to them about, you know, opening up? and just being okay with going to talk to somebody and to get some help. And then are you raising money for this uh, Swerving Through Stress initiative? Like how can we support you? Is there a website? How, you know, people want to donate to it? What can we do? Um, yeah, the, the website is swervingthroughstress.com. And, you know, with the whole initiative, everything that we launch and all the information to be able to donate and, and um, people that we're going to partner with all of that will be featured on the website. Um, okay. But, you know, I would say really, you know, to, to anybody listening, it's okay to, to open up about these problems because all of us, I don't, and coming from where I come from, I don't think I knew anybody up against, you know, these things that wanted to be up against it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I don't think any of my friends wanted to go to jail or wanted to have to, you know what I'm saying? Being for their lives, or had to, you know what I'm saying, um, use drugs, sell drugs, any of the things that we were having to do, I don't think that we wanted to do. You know, 
you know what I'm saying, these paths for, for ourselves. And I think that's only because we didn't reach out and try to, you know what I'm saying, find resources, find opportunities, find help. Because a lot of us had talent, hidden talent. We knew how to play basketball, knew how to draw, sing, rap, uh, do a lot of these things. And we didn't actually tap into our talents or our full potential because um, the stuff that we were taught, where we come from, you know what I'm saying, the stuff that we were taught, the generational ways that we numbed our feelings, numbed our emotions, self-medicated, didn't really treat the problem. We, we, we just normalized in a way where I said earlier, I felt like, um, you know, it was normal to want to have to carry a gun. It was normal to be up against all the things that I was up against. So I would just say to anybody that's listening, um, go with your instinct, man. Follow your gut and just, you know what I'm saying, believe that it's always something out there great because we all got aspirations and we want to strive to be or be something better. Uh, our circumstances always tell us otherwise, you know, so you can't really let your circumstances determine where you need to go in life. And that's, that's all I'll say. Absolutely. Dr. Reese, any, any final words? So one, I want to thank Kerbo again for uh, uh, lifting up this message of, of optimism um, that change is possible. Um, you know, I, I, I think I want to leave people with uh, pain is not normal. Hurt is not normal. That, that, not, that, that feeling in your gut, the, the, the fear he's talking about, am I going to have to defend myself? Am I going to have to do this? Those are not normal things. And, 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 and so we get to redefine what's normal for us. And we can't do it on our own. We need help and we need support in doing that. And, and, and so as he builds his platform and as he invites people to, to partner with him, um, you know, folks like me have to figure out how uh, we lend what we know and what we do uh, to these efforts. Shanti, I, I appreciate you um, making this happen in terms of kind of creating opportunity for this dialogue. Because this is where it's at, and then we got to get on the street, and we got to, you know, work the streets to kind of engage folks, so we can listen to folks and understand what they're going through. Um, and it's it's a it's a process, but it's a process that that's worth um, engaging. So I, I I um I every time I do one of these, I leave encouraged and and more optimistic than I was before, and I and I feel that right now. So so thank you to both of you. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, the work that we do uh, at Silence to Shame is is to really stay in the community, um, to meet individuals where they're at, especially our young black youth. I think it's so important that we come from a place of non-judgment and that we're meeting people where they're at. Um, you can reach out to us at silenceashame.com. Follow us on IG at Silence to Shame. Um, you can reach out to me at ShantiDoss404. I'm committed to this work. Herbal, I think you know that. Um, I love everything about your platform, what you're doing. Um, again, the website is swervingthroughstress.com. We're here to amplify your initiative, Herbo. Whatever myself, Dr. Reed, Silence of Shame can do, we're here for you. I um, want to thank the Gathering Spot for allowing us to have this platform and to talk to their members as we push this important message out to the community. Anything else, last thing you want to say? I want to end with you, Herbo, because it's all about you tonight, brother, using your voice. Oh, I just want to say thanks uh, to both of y'all. Appreciate y'all for having me. And, um, of course, I'm going to continue, you know what I'm saying, to use my platform for, for the greater and everything that I believe in. So, um, Swerving Through Stress is, uh, is actually, I think we're getting ready to launch. Um, 
to tomorrow. So uh, we're getting right to it, man, and, and, and appreciate y'all for the support. And I'm sure we'll be reaching out to do more things. Yeah, no doubt. I just want you to know that September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. So I think it's a lot that we have to do for our young people. You know, I just heard about one of the deputy chiefs, uh, African-American in Chicago, took his own life. But we got work to do with the young people and the adults in the community. So we hit a rock with you, Herbo. Let's keep this going. All right. Appreciate it. All right. All thank right, you. Son. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Peace out. Peace out.